Welcome to the Fertility Stories podcast. This is your host, Mary Sodden, naturopath and fertility coach. I help women go from frustrated, overwhelmed, and isolated to calm, confident, and in control of their fertility. I'm passionate about helping women get pregnant and stay pregnant. Each week, I have a real and empowering conversation with everyday women and men struggling with fertility to bring you hope, comfort, and support. This is our story. Welcome to the Fertility Stories podcast. My guest today is Monica Bevis. She is a fertility coach and advocate, speaker and writer. Uh, have Monica on the podcast today sharing her expertise and her amazing journey with us. She is a repeat guest. I'm always so happy to have her on. Welcome again to the podcast, Monica. Well, thank you so much, Mary. It's really an honor for me to be in your podcast. I always admire also your work, your advocacy, and all the beautiful, um, good intent that you use and you put from your heart to our community. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for those kind, kind words, Monica. So um, let's dive straight in. Um, for those who haven't listened to the first episode with with Monica, um, she has quite the story to share. Can you please share your experience with us with um, in terms of miscarriage and stillbirth? Yes, of course, of course, my darling. So uh, like you mentioned now, uh, for the ones that don't know me, so I am Monica Vivas. I actually, I am an IVF uh, warrior. I was a patient um, on IVF because I cannot get pregnant naturally due to endometriosis stage four that blocked my both fallopian tubes. And this is to make my story short. So my only way to actually become a, a mother, it was IVF. Although we try to do something, you know, two laparoscopies before to see if maybe at least one of the tubes could be open so to avoid all this difficult journey but we didn't so I guess and I believe very firmly that things really happen for a reason sometimes you know we don't know the reason until really after a long time has passed but my journey to Mm -hmm. be be able to be a mom of two beautiful IBF girls one is actually gonna turn 17 now in November my other one (laughs) yes can you believe that is incredible I can't believe that and you I look so young. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's a kind of genetic. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is my other daughter, which is my last IBF from five that I did. She just turned nine in June. But mm, focusing yeah. on our uh, subject today, which is miscarriage and stillbirth, uh, well, I went through that too. You know, uh, basically my uh, infertility is... First, is a primary infertility, as you mm-hmm. heard in the beginning, and also secondary infertility, because my first IVF was successful, is my now 17-year-old, and then I kind of took for granted mm-hmm. that, you know, I say, okay, so the next one is going to mm-hmm. work as this one, but it didn't happen, so my second cycle 
was canceled because the clinic did a mistake and they switched for some reason the charts with another patient. They gave me the wrong oh. amount of medicine and I got OHSS and we have to cancel oh. that cycle. Our mm -hmm. RT, he was very kind. He was also the one that did our first cycle. He took full responsibility and said to us, you know, you need to wait uh, at least three months for whatever the medicine we put up to now and you clean up your body, kind of go back to normal. And mm -hmm. then I'm going to do a cycle. He did the third cycle and this is where my nightmare begins. This mm. cycle, we did a PGA, PG testing. And, uh, you know, we wanted, honestly, that's the truth. We wanted a boy. They came, mm -hmm. it came out with five embryos, three males, very good quality, mm -hmm. two females. Mm -hmm. One of the females had chromosomic issues, so we have to discard her. Mm -hmm. So when we went to the transfer, uh, I said to my husband, okay, so we want a boy. Let's freeze the female and we put the three boys. And he said, no, we're going to put four in that time. It's not like now, my darling uh, Mary. Now, you know, because of the technology yeah. and all has been advanced so much, transferring one embryo is mm -hmm. really giving higher su success than before. So we transferred the mm -hmm. four embryos and, and surprise, surprise, the baby girl catch. I was 37 oh, wow. years old. Mm -hmm. uh, everything was going great. You know, I did my... Uh, uh, amniocentesis because you know that after 35 su doctors suggest not only for IVF patients but for normally uh, pregnancies that a woman after 35 do an amniocentesis to find out if the baby is coming with any physical issue that could you know affect his life or could even cause death right after birth so everything was very normal mm -hmm. and after that somehow silently I start to develop like a phospholipid uh, blood clotting. Oh. Nobody knew anything. Mm -hmm. uh, at 39 weeks, uh, one afternoon, I feel my baby used to move a lot. Her name was supposed to be Isabel. She used to move a lot. Mm -hmm. Then one afternoon on a Saturday, I remember it was uh, actually uh, October 5th. It was a Tuesday. For three, wow. I was October 2nd, Saturday, October 2nd, 2010. I remember like yesterday. You, wow, you remember. I remember yeah. that she kind of didn't move that day. And I was kind of a little paranoid. But with my first mm -hmm. one happened. And you know, with your when you are a first time mother, you get mm -hmm. paranoid with everything. So with my first one, yes. I went right away to the hospital. And, you know, like thinking something yeah. was wrong. She was sleeping. Yeah. So when I told my husband my concern... He mentioned to me, he said, but you know, with Elia happened the same. Maybe, you know, don't put too much thought on that. And I felt, I cannot say now that I feel sorry I didn't listen to my voice because again, I know that things happen for a reason and I am a true mm -hmm. testimonial of that in this sense. But in that moment, I should, I felt that I should have listened that something was not right. Although, right. I, you know, but I said, okay, let's pass. And then the following Tuesday, I had my regular uh, checkup because that uh -huh. I supposed to get programmed to go and, you know, induce me. Mm -hmm. And as, you know, she's doing all the measurements. And then I asked the, the girl that was doing my sonogram, I told her I want to see the heartbeat. She couldn't find it the way it was there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. My goodness. So they right away, you know, they have to hold me because it was crazy. They have to call my husband. They, I was mm. with my mom, thank God. 
and the doctor, uh, he was in the hospital. He came to pick me up and my husband because we were not with the head in the right place to drive. He took mm, us to the hospital. Wow. And somehow I was praying for hope. I was like praying for a miracle, but no, it didn't yeah. happen. They, oh had to, they had to induce me, uh, you know, to deliver the baby. And mm -hmm. that's when the baby came out, when the girl came out, they found two big blood clots in the umbilical cord. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, yes, Mary. It was terrible. Okay. We are mm -hmm. Jewish. So we mm -hmm. call our rabbi. We ask him. Because in the hospital, they ask you, you know, if you want to do like a autopsy or necropsy on the baby to see really what was happening. And our gynecologist says, forget it. This is a blood clot. You see it clear in the, in the umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. so that my husband talked with the rabbi. He said no. And they, our synagogue paid everything for us. We didn't have to do anything. Wow. Um, Yes, and I don't know where my daughter is because in our religion, uh, a baby, a human, needs to be alive 30 days so you can see Shiva, which is uh -huh. funeral. So, but for me, it was better. Yes, I think it's something that um, helped me a lot in my grieving and my healing, the fact that I don't know, that I, I kind of left it up to God, you know, belongs mm -hmm. to God. But it was really okay. hard. So what happened is that I was so empty, Mary, and so overwhelming from pain myself that I didn't even wait two months. And I drilled my husband and I told him I need to go to another IVF. We, we need to have a baby. This is, this is very painful. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we talked with our doctor. He said that he's not going to do it because I'm... I need to grieve, you know, I need time. Yes, yeah. And then he referred us to other doctor. He also suggests the same, but forget it. I just put him and my husband against the wall, basically, almost. Oh, wow. Like with a gun. We did it. Great RE. I mm -hmm. got pregnant. But at uh, seven and a half weeks, I miscarriage. Why? Because mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. grieve. I didn't give myself time to physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, and spiritually to heal heal exactly yes. mm -hmm. and all of this brought a chaos we almost got divorced with my husband and all of that mm. men uh, grieve different than women but it was mm -hmm. a learning experience so mm -hmm. it was really a traumatic experience it was really something that i i never thought is going to happen to me and when something like this happens to someone you feel that you are the only one in the world that is going through yeah. this pain so you feel yes. so lonely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's for sure. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry to hear of that. How how did you cope with with the loss? Uh well, Mary, thank you so much. Yes. It was this was actually it's gonna be twelve years ago, this upcoming October. You know, it's not easy. I will I will now, uh, after so much time, I will say that therapy is definitely something that Mm -hmm. will help a lot i didn't do it because i uh, i was so much into that pain that i kind of refused it uh plus whatever came after you know it didn't kind of it put me like in a place like you know what you can do it by yourself yes mm -hmm. i did it and i think that the fact that my mom was with me, that our mm -hmm. synagogue and our community were 
so close look there was not a day that passed that people will come and say i'm sorry i'm bringing food and try to make a conversation to take me away from that pain i am so mm. grateful having community yes. i think was part a big part in my healing took time wow because you know it's a steps there was days that i could feel like terrible pain and someone mm-hmm. would come and stay with me for a few hours so i had a conversation with my mom and i will forget for a moment that i was going through that pain and could mm-hmm. hear a joke or something and laugh and then in the back of my mind i'm like why are you laughing you just lost a daughter you know it's like you feel you, you we are so hard on mm-hmm. ourselves yes and we don't know how to handle these things until we are going through mm-hmm. them so that's what teaches us yes. to grieve and each person that is grieving a pain like that is different because you see mm-hmm. there is name for everything you see when mm-hmm. when, when a kid lose the parents it's called orphan right yes that's when, right when you uh, have when you are married and you lose your husband or wife it calls widow widower mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when parents lose a child no matter in how long is it has passed could be a little miscarriage mm-hmm. because they are with the hope of having it or as advanced as i am or when the mm-hmm. kid is five years, or when the kid is 18. Imagine the pain. Mm-hmm. There is no name for yes. it. Mm-hmm. That's true. There is no name for that it. That is so true. Oh, my goodness. And uh, did your husband deal with the loss in the same way, or did he grieve in another way? Totally different, Mary. Uh, I will. Uh, I, I have learned that men and women, we are absolutely <laughs> so different. You know, women, we are more mm-hmm. emotional. So mm-hmm. me and I will say for most of us, our way of grieving is crying, right? Screaming. Yes. Uh, yes. We are more vocal. So our, uh, we're going to take our emotions with cry, with mm-hmm. someone hugging us. And, and we just cry, cry. For me, it was cry, cry. He, and I will say most men, because they are so scared to, f- uh, to confront that pain. What they do is they run mm-hmm. away by occupying their mind doing something. So my husband, yes, he was in the hospital the day the baby mm-hmm. born. He cried. It was so hard for him to see her mm-hmm. because they asked me, you want to see her? I said, of course. How not? So the nurse says there is mothers that don't want to see their babies. They don't because it's too much pain for them. I said, of course, I want to see her. They brought yes. it to us. And I wanted to, you know, to unfold it from the little blanket. And he said, don't, don't, because she's too mm-hmm. white. She, the, the skin is too peeling. Mm-hmm. He couldn't. And, and and I want, you know, I hold her, I kiss her. And then he was like, can you please just, you know, take her away. So right away after that, he just went into work mode. He went right okay. away, work, customers. He will go in the morning. He will come back mm-hmm. in the night. Uh, and then I start mm-hmm. to notice that he start to drink a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. So nice. it's a running away, and the mm-hmm. fact that he was he was grieving different from me mm-hmm. made me think that he was not feeling anything. And mm-hmm. right there, you can have issues in in your relationship, you know. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking this guy didn't care. He, yes. and, and by, by me seeing him like he didn't care, I also see that he don't care about my pain because I'm expecting him to heal and grieve the same way like me. 
And we yes. are so close in that pain that we are stupid. That's what is happening. You know, your mind mm. doesn't think you are not capable to have a bit of compassion and try to put yourself in the shoes of the other partner mm-hmm. because that's what it's supposed to be. But we are human mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what happened with us. We are very selfish. Mm-hmm. So that created a lot of, a lot of um, issues between us. And that was one of the reasons also that we almost got divorced because I, I, I was like, are you mm-hmm. with me? And I will tell you, until today, mm-hmm. I just learned to deal with that. Wow. Because I respect that this is his way. Until today, mm-hmm. if he can talk about it, because, you know, we are talking with someone, we tell about our stories, but that's it. Yeah. But that's it. He that's has, it, okay. He don't like to go deep. Mm-hmm. And I realize that I cannot force that because mm-hmm. I guess it's causing a lot of pain. A pain. Or... And yeah. I mean, it's completely different. But I will suggest to anyone that is, listen us listening mm-hmm. us mary is that you know when we are in a lot of pain we become so close and selfish because we want to find the cure for that pain mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we forget about others outside yeah i i had my other child she was five and, and mm-hmm. i you know it's like it's similar to postpartum depression you just don't want nothing with no one you just want to feel Mm-hmm. good and don't feel that pain so it switched mm-hmm. to a very selfish position and i think that that's the mm-hmm. learning part too we need to learn to grieve also knowing yeah. that we are not the only ones grieving but the ones outside that live that same situation with us in this case your husband if you have a mm-hmm. child, child you know what is to explain to a five-year-old that saw her mother all day, you know with the belly and is waiting yeah. it's terrible that's terrible. Mm-hmm. So, but definitely so now, men and women, we heal and we grieve differently. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's great that you were able to recognize um, that you were both different in your ways of grieving and you were able to like bridge that gap and, and like get together and like heal your marriage. And now you're still together and you guys didn't divorce and it's it's great that you were able to to reconcile that because many couples like the grief of, of losing a child like just it breaks them and breaks the relationship totally mm-hmm. um one thing also is you know a lot of people often don't know what to say to someone who has lost a loved one and hardly anyone also knows what to say to someone who was miscarried or had a stillbirth. What were the most insensitive comments that you received after that happened to you? And how did you deal with them? Okay, yes, you are so right in that. It's it's such an important and uh, sensitive subject. Because Mm. one of the things that I have learned with this, to me, is Mm. that sometimes, I will say even most of the times, personally you know is mm-hmm. that when someone lose a loved one mm-hmm. uh, i think the best support is the presence of being there and just mm-hmm. give a hug to a person not even I, I of course you you say i'm so sorry for your loss but you know sometimes yes. i even feel very weird and strange to say i'm so sorry for your loss because i am not in the shoes of that person to feel that sorry only her or him are feeling that pain so mm-hmm. 
I, for me, it was, and, and in our community, it was that, you know, for me, it was mm -hmm. amazing to receive just like coming and, and bringing me a plate of food or some mm. kind of a gift to kind of cheer me up and a hug that was fulfilling. Mm. No words. I was so happy. Also. Mm. But now your question is insensitive comments. Uh, like, you know, the typical one, time heal. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that it's mm -hmm. implicit. But some mm -hmm. a mother or a daughter or a son that have lost their parents, their mom, and now we as mothers, a baby, yes. time heal, we don't like that comments. I will mm -hmm. totally say right away. I am that mm -hmm. kind of person, Mary. I will mm -hmm. say, you know what? I know that I will say to the person, I know that you say this with the best intention, but mm -hmm. honestly, that's not the right thing to say because mm -hmm. I am just so fresh on the loss. That I don't yeah. know if that if time is gonna heal me. I don't know what is gonna happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I will say it. There was one specific a, a friend that I know. She was amazing with me, but I had I even had to tell my husband to tell her to leave for one reason. I was in so much pain. Few people mm -hmm. came to visit, you know, from the community, from the synagogue, and mm -hmm. she came and she hugged me, and it was beautiful. But then she started to cry. Mm. right so like much more sobbing than me that she mm. dragged me so bad to a dark place more than i was oh wow. I, I hope that you understand what i'm trying to yes. say mm -hmm. and, and i felt like like oh my god you know like i feel her pain for my pain mm -hmm. was so strong that I didn't feel any support, you know, not even the hug became too negative and I have to tell mm -hmm. you that I need to go and drink water. Uh, and because I know myself, sometimes I, sometimes we don't have tact to tell people things, especially if you mm -hmm. are in pain. So I went yes. to the kitchen and I told my husband, I need you to please tell her to leave. This was too much. I feel totally dragged. My pain is worse than, than anything, than, than, than two minutes ago. And he has, mm -hmm. and you know, then through a few months later, I explained her and she understood. But mm. we definitely need to be careful. Uh, yes. You know, it's, it's, not, it's nothing to do with, oh, I have the freedom of speech or I have the freedom to say words. Of course, we all have a freedom to say our words and what we feel. Mm -hmm. But what we need to be careful is the way we say it. And, and, yes. and the words that we're going to use. Sometimes the best is not saying anything. Just give a mm -hmm. hug to that person and that's it. Because we don't mm -hmm. know what is the pain that they are going through. Yes. yes. So that will be my best advice. And this is really the, the, the two things that happen during this time. For mm. the rest, Mary, I can't complain. Um, mm, that's good. Yes. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to go through. It takes, mm -hmm. it takes the time that takes to each of us you know i yeah. cannot tell you that to, for another mother that lost uh, a baby like me it took five months mm. for me eight no because it goes with with us we are the ones that yeah. know when we're going to be healed and mm -hmm. how we can continue moving on in life yes yes, yes. i agree Wow, those great advice for for anyone who knows someone who had a miscarriage or a stillbirth. 
follow Monica's advice because I, I I think that's a beautiful way to support them. And what can you offer women who have suffered a miscarriage and are now scared about it happening in their next pregnancy? Oh my gosh, that happened to me actually when I went to do my fifth cycle of IBS. Mm. Of course, you know, I went with a different mindset, but once the baby starts to move, you become crazy. It's a very mm-hmm. natural thing. It's a very mm-hmm. so what advice I can tell you? The best advice that I can give is okay, normal to feel like that. Don't try to run away from that feeling. Because when mm-hmm. we try to run away from negative feelings, what we are doing is piling them up, not mm-hmm. recognizing them, and then that makes it worse because somehow we need to release them. Somehow yes. we need to 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 feel them, let mm-hmm. go, and when they are gone, then we have the space to sit and say, "Okay, I give this twenty minutes to my crap. I'm sorry, but that's mm-hmm. true. You know, to yeah. my pain, to my crap, mm-hmm. to my feeling, mm-hmm. to to all what happening. I know that I lost a baby. I lost a stillbirth baby." I have many miscarriage or multiple miscarriage, but somehow mm-hmm. I need to try my best to accept that this is not a this is not an easy situation. If I yes. want to deal with my negative feelings and fear now, I'm gonna give the space. Let's see how I do it. So either you cry like me. For me, it's crying. I'm a baby. Mm-hmm. I cry. I cry. Cry. Cry until there is no more tears, and I feel like so released. Some mm-hmm. people is journaling. They write a paper or have someone. If you have your mm-hmm. mom, your sister, a friend that you know for a fact that she's a good listener or he's a good listener without saying a word, take it out. It's like throwing. You mm-hmm. know, like you are collecting all the. You are cleaning your closet. Sounds yes. funny, but it's true. You clean your closet, you want to get rid of everything. And it's so nice to see, okay, I'm going to donate this, I'm going to give that. And then it's mm-hmm. the same with our feelings. Don't mm-hmm. pile them up. We need to feel. Because good doesn't exist with bad or pretty with ugly or, you know, mm-hmm. happiness without sadness. But the best way is to try to find balance. If mm-hmm. you, during your pregnancy, feel any kind of fear you know that the baby because we learn to to count the movements right so i learned mm-hmm. so bad that with my maya that i knew that this girl will move at 2 30 in the morning and if i was sleeping i will feel it doesn't matter mm-hmm. i will sleep with my hand in the stomach if this girl was not moving at 2 31 i will wake up like crazy tell my husband to bring me orange juice or chocolate to wake her up so i didn't mm-hmm. leave this girl in peace if you, and, and, and I recognize, you know, I shift my mind and I start to work on acupuncture, meditation and other stuff that help me mm. to ease that. But I'm not going to mm. lie to you, Mary. It's yeah. the fact that we lost a baby is mm-hmm. that fear stays with us. So we need to manifest it. So if you feel fear, feel it. Okay, so what are you going to do? Let me see. The baby's not moving. So I have my monitor. Let me put my monitor and hear if the heartbeat is there. So you hear mm-hmm. it, boom. Give yourself the tools to feel in peace. Drink juice mm-hmm. and then you're going to feel the movement. And if mm-hmm. it's too extreme, no matter how many babies you already have, no matter how many miscarriage you already have, you still have that fear. So go to your doctor and tell him, I'm sorry, I need a sonogram. Do what mm-hmm. you have to do to give yourself that ease. Because yes. it's not going to go nowhere until you have that baby. And infertility, Mary, is something that stays with us 
forever. The fact that I am now 49 and I am mm-hmm. babies and doesn't mean that infertility is gone. It's not gone. That's why I'm here mm-hmm. still advocating yes. and still doing my best yeah. to provide what I didn't have when I start. Because when I start, mm-hmm. there was no social media, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's such great advice. I, I love how how you gave that advice for women to just feel the feelings and not let it pile up. And um, I, I love how you are so empowering for women who who are probably thinking their baby after a loss, whether it's stillbirth or miscarriage. That's such a powerful way of um, having the tools to empower themselves so that they don't they can fight the fear of uh-huh. having it happen again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, my darling. Wonderful. How can how can people reach out to you and work with you? Okay, so my darling, as you know, well, the ones that already know me and the new people that is here in the audience. I am very active in Instagram, so you can find me in at Monica Vivas, which is my name. Easy, and everybody mm-hmm. knows. My website is also uh, monicavivas.com. I work uh, in one-on-one coaching, so you can mm-hmm. check my programs there. Or if you have any questions, I always answer my personal messages in the messenger in Instagram. I have, mm-hmm. of course, like a little uh, automatic boot because sometimes it's too many. But yeah. please, everyone, make sure that if you get the automatic reply, I always check them and then I go back and respond because I don't like to have, for example, mm-hmm. I have of course my VA and a person that helped me with all my newsletters and that. But when it comes to mm-hmm. a real, you know, like the real connection with the people in the community, I always yes. ask personally. I have also mm-hmm. a Facebook group that calls the IVF journey. Mm-hmm. And I have my Facebook page where you also can send me any kind of questions. I always check the messages. Uh, and for the ones that don't know, I already did my uh, certificate uh, fertility coaching. I am a yeah, already certified program from the Wholesome Lotus Fertility. And I am finishing another one that's called the Hormone Puzzle because mm. there is so many ways, so many ways to approach our infertility and even try to avoid uh, ART and invasive procedures because mm. our body... Mary, I have learned and I am learning. Our body gets sick most of the time from our Mm -hmm. emotional uh, issues. Trust me, I have learned that. that. And when we start to, yes, when we start to balance that, so we can uh, can, uh, change so many things that can lead to success in our health. So yes, one-on-one, and I am working on a few little programs, uh, webinars with embryologists, nutritionists that I will provide um, now in the fall. So you're going to have a lot of tools to work with. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Monica. You are and thank you so much for all the fertility advocacy that you do for our community. Um, you are one of the, the, the leaders of, of the fertility community. And thank you so much for sharing your, your wonderfully inspiring fertility journey. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Mary. I forgot just to mention for the ones that are going through IBF. I have also the book, the IBF Planner, which I wrote Mm -hmm. in 2020. I am working on a new edition, but this one is incredibly helpful. So 
anyone that is going to go through a cycle of IVF needs so much notes. Oh my gosh, it's great. Yes. So you have all of that. You can find it in Amazon, also in my website. I forgot to mention that. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. I'll have all of those information in, in the show notes so that people can just click on it and it will bring um, bring them straight to those links into your site. Again, thank you, Monica. Oh, Mary, thank you so much for having me and sending lots of love, energy and, you know, healing vibes to everyone in your community. Thank you, darling. Mwah. How awesome was that? If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and I would love to receive a review from you. And let's keep this conversation going. What is your fertility journey like? How are you choosing to be compassionate with yourself? Subscribe to the Fertility Stories podcast. I've got a new episode coming your way next week. And until then, talk soon.